It's time for the Katie's Tech Podcast. My name is Jason Johnson. This is episode 17 of the Katie's Tech Podcast, recorded June 25th, 2014. This is the show where I go over the news stories of the day, usually technology-related, that catch my eye. They may not be the biggest news stories, but the most popular, just the ones that I find most interesting. first story I found today was that Facebook's Slingshot app is now available worldwide. So if you're in a different country that it didn't already have the Slingshot app released, for, it's now available. Not really sure how big of a deal that is. I don't know what the actual market penetration is for Facebook's Slingshot app. And this is the app that Facebook released. It's a competitor to Snapchat. You send a message, either video or photograph, and when the other person views it, it's supposed to disappear after a certain period of time. Of course, you're dependent on Facebook to actually get rid of the data, which you never know if they actually do. But the, the slant that Facebook took on this was that if you didn't, you had to reply to the person before you could see the message they sent you, which my daughter pointed out was kind of a odd way to have a conversation since you can't reply to their actual post. You actually have to have two different conversations going at the same time to actually be able to use the app. So, kind of an odd methodology, but that's how Facebook took it. We'll see how sales actually hold up and whether it's actually a successful product. But it's now available everywhere, so if you're interested, check it out. A couple of really major Supreme Court rulings today if anybody was actually following this before, if you had heard of it, but they actually came down with a ruling for the company Aereo, and this is a company that made a name for themselves by setting up a data center full of uh, connections to cable companies and basically rebroadcasting that, those video streams over the internet. So when you got a subscription to Aereo, they would actually basically give you a stream in their off of a cable service in their data center. And over the internet, you would basically have a cable provider. And they, they claimed to get around the legality of this by saying that they were just, you know, acting as a sling box type thing and they were actually paying for the service. But um, in a 6 3 Supreme Court decision, the court concluded that Aereo. And I'm sorry, it's actually over-the-air, not cable. That Aereo's technology to grab over-the-air uh, without paying broadcasters' fees is effectively the same as the first cable companies with more fancier technology. So basically, they're saying the same thing that, that you know, when cable started out, they had to, um, they were redistributing over-the-air TV, same as what you get from a standard antenna, but their, um, you still have to pay the actual TV stations for their feed. And what Aereo was doing is they were actually picking up the over-the-air space and rebroadcasting it across the internet without paying the actual broadcasting companies. And so the Supreme Court came down and said, no, it doesn't work that way, you can't do it. And from their earlier statements, basically this is supposed to be the death knell for Aereo. They basically said this would put them out of business if that was the case. Now, they said today that they would actually fight back and, and they weren't done, but the Supreme Court's kind of the ultimate authority, so their business model as it was is pretty much over. Second major story out of the Supreme Court today was 
a decision on warrantless searches of cell phones. And basically what this is, is a connection with the rest, saying that the searches were justified because of the need to protect police officers and prevent the destruction of evidence. So the law enforcement side was saying, we need to search these cell phones because if we don't, the data can be destroyed. But the Supreme Court ruled just the opposite, that it, it's going to require a um, police search warrant in order to, to take examine the data on the person's cell phone, the right to privacy. And this was a unanimous decision, so there was not even really any dissent. It's pretty much the, the entire court was in agreement. Pretty much the rest of the news today centered around Google's I.O. conference. And this has been what everybody's been holding their breath and eagerly awaiting. It's the last of the, the major conferences. I think Apple had their uh, big WWDC conference, and Microsoft had, I believe, what they called their build. And now you've got um, Google's. Amazon had their fire announcement, but that was kind of just a product announcement, not really a conference. So, a lot of news out of the Google I.O. conference, very similar, in my opinion, to, to the feel of the Apple conference, in that it wasn't so much about hardware. It was about the software and the APIs that allow people to use the Google products. So the first big one was the new design and all the new features of Android. They're calling it L. It's a, it's a developer preview edition. It's kind of odd because they never actually didn't actually come out with a name. Um, Google's known for their Android versions all having a name based off the letter. The current version is KitKat, which is a K. Jelly Bean was the J that came before the KitKat K. So the next version is going to be an L. And there's a lot of speculation on whether that's because they didn't have the partnership lined up. They actually did a special partnership with the brand KitKat to be able to use that because it's a, it's a registered name as opposed to like Jelly Bean, which is generic. So people were wondering, did they um, not have the deal finalized with whatever company they're going with for L? You know, could it be something like Lemonhead that would require a deal? Or is it just something really generic like Lollipop? You know, who knows? But no, no real name, no new Google statue. Uh, and they put a statue in the Google campus for every episode, uh, version, so... There's no statue out there for this one. But um, lots of new features, lots of design tweaks, very similar to the changes that were made in uh, iOS 8. So it'll be interesting to see what the actual results of this are. Uh, but they did announce to give the developer preview for Android L. The big thing that everybody was looking forward to that did come during the announcement is the Android Wear, which is what they're calling their wearable technology, i.e. the smartwatch products. And it's kind of funny because they're not actually putting out one themselves. In the past, Google's done, for their, their concept devices, they've done Nexus, which is their in-house brand, officially blessed developer platform hardware. Uh, they had that for the phone, they've had it for the tablets, there's currently the Nexus 5 and the Nexus 7 and 10 for the tablet space, and actually no no updates to that, but I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but for Android Wear, there was no Google brand 
LG had their G-Watch, and Samsung, Samsung has their Live. But um, those are the ones that are, you can actually order now. Motorola has a 360 device coming out uh, sometime this summer. And those are the ones they kind of showed off at the conference. The LG G-Watch and the Samsung Live are both standard square smartwatch style appearance. The Motorola 360, and this is what piqued everybody's interest, is actually round display, and which is fully supported by Google. They went over that during the announcement. So everybody's kind of eager to see what the, the round edition looks for. I'm not really sure if it's going to be more uh, useful, but it definitely will be a different fashion approach. Um, these devices look really useful if you're really invested in the Android system. It gives you notifications, lots of memos, apps, different ways of interacting with it. Um, it's really good technology there, but you really have to be in, you know, have an Android phone to work with it because it, it doesn't function completely on its own. So a lot of the stuff that you use your phone to watch for require your phone to be nearby. So you can't just, you know, leave the phone at the house and go for a run without coming back to the phone for your data. I'm sure the apps will manage to function somewhat independently, but your data is not going to get logged and, and actually tracked until you actually come near your phone. And I'm not even sure if you're on the model, because it's all the hardware, if it'll have a built-in GPS or if you're going to be totally dependent on the GPS on your phone. You may still have to drive your phone and your watch for your run. But that there's, they did actually announce the wearable category, so everybody's going to be, um, the developers will be digging into that, and you'll actually see maybe some actual finished products come out by the end of the summer, maybe in the fall. Uh, keep in mind, this is all developer-level stuff, so none of this is actually ready for the customer just yet. You know, if I was a uh, customer, a consumer, I would not be rushing out to buy one of these Android wearable phone watches. I'd be waiting until the developers have had time to go through it to get the apps. And you might even see, you know, some newer models and updates before it's actually worth getting. But I definitely wouldn't be one of the first people to rush out and get it. Unless you're really techy and into that kind of stuff because, you know, there's definitely going to be growing pains with the standard first generation technology until the developers get their feet under them and figure out how this stuff's actually going to work. The next item they kind of went over was the Android Auto, and this is Google's competitor to Apple's CarPlay, which is the interface that you use to interact with the, your phone in a car. And this is becoming a big thing as more and more states and, and government regulation, for safety reasons, kind of you know prevents people from using their phones as much in a vehicle. You don't want somebody who's supposed to be driving and focusing on the cars around them staring at a little tiny screen, typing out text messages. So both Apple and now Google have had their solutions as they try to provide people ways to actually interact with their technology while they're in the vehicle. The demo for this was kind of neat because Google actually, uh, they, they once said they wanted to bring a full-size car, but you know, there's too many people, you can't, for safety reasons, bring a car on stage. But they actually cut the, they called it the cockpit, the, the driving area of a uh, Kia Soul out and brought that onto the stage with the fully interactive 
entertainment system so that they could demonstrate the CarPlay built into the car. And what this is, CarPlay is, I'm sorry, CarPlay is Apple's. This is Android Auto. What, it, what both of them really are is a way to interact with the way Android Auto works is it basically gives a different interface to your phone mirrored up onto the screen of your car. So the buttons are more, the touch areas are larger, the buttons are larger, the, the screen is more customized with an easier to read at a glance type approach. So when you glance over, you see everything larger, more like a car radio would be as opposed to the small text and icons that you see on your phone. So like the customized apps, everything's the maps, and everything is kind of redesigned to work on a car display, but mirrored from and running from your phone. So you really don't have to have the there's not that much data living in the car. And so when anything needs to be updated, it's the phone that gets updated, not so much your car, which will make updates easier. But the big one they pitched was voice interactions. So if something comes in, if you need to interact with anything, you can do it all and Google is working very hard on getting their voice technology up to bar. They showed it in the watches. They showed it in the um, Google Now interactions. It voices very much where they're going with their interface. And this is just one more demonstration of it. And uh, the next thing they showed was the Android TV. And this was kind of interesting to me because it's almost a rebranding of the old Google TV stuff they released uh, years ago. They partnered with TiVo and those type of uh, platforms to release Google Player. I don't think it was TiVo. I think it was Replay TV. There was something similar to, to a TiVo that was using the Google TV box. And so they're staying away from that name because it kind of got a little tarnished. It really wasn't ready for prime time. So what they're doing now is they're marketing Android TV as an API, and they're not actually releasing their own boxes, they're just making an API. And their claim here is that we've got all these companies releasing smart TVs, but each one's different. They're all, all doing their own thing, they're all apps. And because they're TV companies, they're not application companies like Apple and Google, and even Roku, you know, they're, their integration of the apps are usually not as functional, not as updated as the ones on the set-top boxes and, and are. So, Google is basically releasing an API and, a, and an interface that TV manufacturers can use and put in their TVs, and you get a standardized look and feel and update system for all, across all the different TV manufacturers. Again, they're not actually releasing their own hardware. It's just that, you know, if you go to, you know, you buy a, I believe they said Sony and I forget what other companies they were named, they named off that are going to be out by the end of the year. But as they get this pitch, you might go buy from the store and buy a TV off the shelf, and it's going to have Google Android TV built into it for its smart apps instead of being the ones that are built into the current line of Vizio or Take Your Picker TV manufacturer. And you can use, even use an app on your Android phone on your uh, Android Wear watch and interact with the, the screen and the apps that way, or you can use the remote that they ship with it, you know, it just depends on the manufacturer, and, but you get the same experience, you get the same Netflix app, you get the same, you know, I can pick your app here, 
and they're adding features like the ability to mirror your phone and your apps. And basically, um, it comes from the, old, the Chromecast deck, you know, where you, you can basically play something off your phone through the Chromecast. Um, well, that's going to be built in to all these TVs out of the box. So you basically unbox your TV, plug it in, and have the ability to cast apps from your phone or watch or whatever up onto the screen from your laptop, anything running in home. But again, this isn't a hardware product by Google. They're just partnering with other manufacturers. And they did kind of mention there might be some set-top boxes. So if you're, you're kind of like me and you don't constantly buy a new, buy new TV, there probably will be a set-top box that you can get to give you that functionality. Now, in my opinion, they're going to have to come up with a lot of inviting reasons for you to do this over a Apple TV or a Roku or some of the other more established boxes. I don't know. I really don't see me dumping the Apple TV or the Roku for this unless they come out with some very good reason. Uh, on the Chrome OS front, which is their laptop operating system that you can get in the Chromebooks, is kind of how they sell it. And these are usually lower-priced laptops that you can get. They've made, they've made a couple desktops. I don't know if they've actually sold very much. That basically launch you straight into the browser. Then I've come back with more desktop flavored apps, offline usage and stuff. But really it's just a way to run the web interface on a Chrome on a laptop for really cheap is kind of what you get. And it is nice because it does keep away, get away from the standard Windows bloat and stuff if you're a person who doesn't need it. So for you know students and limited uses like that, they are really good pieces of hardware. But the big news there is they're actually opening it up to run Android apps. So they're going to—they're kind of doing the, the combination thing where they're going to combine their Chrome OS and Android. Maybe not necessarily in the same operating system, but in the same application experience. And that really will lead to, to a lot of more app availability on the Chrome OS and Chromebooks and such because right now that's an area that's very lacking. So that, that, that was kind of the big push they made there. And the final thing that Google announced that I thought was interesting is that their Google Drive, which is their cloud storage service, now offers encryption for business users. Now, that business users tag is kind of important because there is a difference between a consumer account and a business account. And if I remember right, the business account actually requires you to have, like, five user licenses, you know, enrolled at one time. There's a minimum, so you can't just, you know, say, hey, I'm using it for business use, I'm a business user, you actually have to log in, you have to purchase a business level of service with a um, certain number of users. But if you are a business user with Google Drive, they now offer encryption, and that protects you not only from, you know, hackers and data vulnerability, but theoretically also from Google. Because if it's done right, Google themselves won't even have access to your data stored on Google Drive. And that will provide you with a layer of security. A lot of, a lot of businesses have confidentiality requirements that you know, cloud storage is very problematic unless they have a way to encrypt it. The other thing that they announced for the Google Drive business users is if you do subscribe, you get, I believe they said unlimited storage. Not a terabyte, not, not anything. Limited, it's not name. They just said unlimited. 
But keep in mind that that's that same business account that requires a minimum number of users, so it's not going to be just your average user, meaning you get unlimited storage. That pretty much wraps up what I took away from the Google I.O. conference. It'll be interesting to see what um, people actually find out as the, the keynote has ended and the developers are actually getting into the breakout sessions and getting their hands on these products and these APIs. When I say products, they really like the product, you know, their hands on the devices that are running the new APIs and products and being able to play with that. Because that, that's where a lot of the information we usually come from. Until next time, this is Jason Johnson with the Katie's Tech Podcast, and I'll be back next time.